you miss Canty and Carlin? But if you listen to the primetime parlay the last couple of nights, you can buy as many microwaves as you want. Another winner mm-hmm. last night. Mm-hmm. Woo-hoo-hoo. Mm-hmm. That's right. Money good. Money good. You, you know what we call these, Carlin? We call these fun coupons. <laughs> fun coupons. Let's go. Some money. Let's be clear. If you had listened the last two days and if you had played the primetime parlay on Monday and last night's NBA parlay, and you had bet $100 on each game, you would be up $890 right now. Canty last night, and this was all Canty, drilled this. The Warriors and the Suns, over 227, Lockadini. Then you've got the Jordan Poole over 15 and a half, made you sweat. I told you I love that. Yeah. I told you last night I love that one. Got to 17, and then Draymond Green over six and a half rebounds. He had eight. That was free money. Free money. Mm. They were giving away free money last night. It's all we do. It's all all we're doing. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Pretty soon we're going to have enough money to get somebody to come in here and clean up all this money. I'm telling you. (laughs) You know what? I just want to let the money sit here for the rest of the show, though. Bask in the money. Just to remind people kind of every now and again. It. Yeah, exactly. Like Scrooge McDuck in the money bin. Right. Diving in it. Like, I just feel like that's where we're at right now as a show. We're in a groove. I mean, we're doling out more winners than Aaron Dolan herself. That's how good we are right now. Now, I listen, I would love to take some credit, but you have really done a number on this the last it's couple It's a team of effort because think about the primetime parlay we had for Monday Night Football. Mm. That was absolutely a team effort. And if you paid attention to what we were doing, and you played the last two primetime parlays, guess what? You'd probably be halfway to paying your rent for November by now. Exactly. Just saying. And we're not telling you to put it all in there. We're not telling you to make you, you know, an absolute fortune. We're just supplementing your income. That's it. That is all. Who we couldn't are doing. use some extra cash, Carlin? I don't I don't want to meet the person that couldn't use some I extra cash. I can't trust them. I can't trust them. That's like people that don't like bacon. Can't trust them. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Anyway, we've got football to get to. We, of course, will have another pick, a play of the day, later on today, as we do each and every day. But, Canty, we begin with some Thursday night football tomorrow. And Tom Brady and the Buccaneers' offense was non-existent against the Carolina Panthers. And I have gone through today watching rewatching some of the games i've gone through some of the numbers and it's just so brutally apparent what the problem is right now and you talked about it the other day it's not only that they can't run the ball it's that they refuse to run the ball mm. and that's exceptionally frustrating because if you go back to when the bucks started 2 and 0 Think about the the Monday or the uh the primetime opener against the Cowboys yep. they ran the ball 34 times in that game Hmm. 34 times leonard fournette did plenty of damage and that was a big part of that win then the next week they ran the ball 30 times they started the season 2-0 canty do you know that's 60 it was 33 and 30 63 times right Mm -hmm. they have only run it 148 times altogether that means 40 percent of their run attempts have come in the first two games of the year as opposed to the last five. 
That's ridiculous. You have no balance in that offense. They are the number one offense in the league in lacking balance, where they're throwing it 68% of the time, and they are not getting the production as a result. And it, a lot of it, I'm sure, is the offensive line. They're only getting three yards of carry when they do run it. But, mm-hmm. but Canty, they got to get back to basics here. Because when your receivers are dropping passes deep down the field and you're not connecting on those big plays, you you got to go back to square one. So is it all on the interior of the offensive line? Is it all on Tom Brady? Where are you saying the genesis of the problems that this Tampa offense is having? I I think the genesis is the fact that they get away from it so quickly. Mm. They have not been getting their doors blown off. It's one thing when you lose 21-3 the other day. And in the second half of the game, you're going to be throwing it to try to get back into it. But... It's another thing when you have a game in in week three where they ran it eight times. That can't happen. No. That can't happen. You can't put your 45-year-old quarterback who can still spin it in this position week after week. Everybody plays a role. I got to look a little bit at Byron Leftwich here. Oh, I'm looking at Byron Leftwich. I'm also looking at the head coach and the front office because they're the ones that constructed this roster in the offseason. And, yeah, I understand injuries played a part in it. Not having Ryan Jensen at the beginning of this season only made the issues that you had up front on the interior of that offensive line that much worse. So I get all of that. Now, you're going to get Ryan Jensen back at some point, and you're hoping that he alleviates some of the pressure that that offensive line has been under. But Carlin, When you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 80% of their yards come from the passing game. That's way too much. That's by far the most yards percentage-wise in the National Football League from the passing game. That that can't be what you're asking your 45-year-old quarterback to do and thinking that you're going to be able to have success and thinking that his production is going to be sustainable. So that's what we're seeing on offense. But, Carlin, that's only part of the story. What about what we're seeing on defense? They allowed the Carolina Panthers, who just traded Christian McCaffrey and fired their head coach a week ago, to rush for a buck seventy-three. Deonta Foreman and Chuba Hubbard are still hitting their heads on the goalposts. What's going on on that side of the ball? The names on the back of the jerseys, a lot of them are still the same from a couple of years ago when they won a chip. So how do you explain that? I'll tell you how. you got to look at the head coach, Todd Bowles. You also have to look at Tom Brady from a leadership standpoint. And we talk about this at nauseum. He is the guy that sets the temperature for the team in terms of the urgency and the attention of detail in the grain prep, in the locker room, on the practice field, and in the meeting rooms. When you go off and miss a walkthrough before a game and meetings before a game to attend Robert Kraft's wedding, or you miss a week and a half during training camp when you're trying to put your team and your identity together— that does something to the psyche of the rest of the locker room. Maybe it's not a conscious thing. Maybe it's subconscious. But all of a sudden, everybody else's daubers are down. Nobody is on their A game. Nobody's paying attention to all the little minute details because Tom Brady's not there. Like we use the analogy of having a substitute teacher in your classroom instead of the regular teacher. You're going to slack off a little bit. You're not going to pay attention as much. You're not going to be as sharp. That's what I see when I watch this Tampa Bay Bucks team play. Offense and defense, they're just not as sharp as they were a year ago or two years ago. They're just not. And a part of it is what's going on with Brady, but I think a part of it is also the transition in leadership from Bruce Arians to Todd Bowles. Here's the other thing. Listen to Tom Brady here. When he is asked about 
being able to turn things around on Thursday night football. Listen to the tone here. We've seen some underwhelming football on Thursday nights this year. You guys have been underwhelming the last couple of weeks. Is it plausible to think we could see a a significant improvement from the offense Thursday night? Um, I mean, like I said, I hope we go play well and execute well and uh, and do our jobs at a high level. That's obviously expectation for all of us. That's what we're working toward this week. And yeah. Was there any part of any confidence that you could send uh, in that tone or that you could sense in that tone? There was none. When is the last time you hear from Tom Brady and it sounds like that? I think Tom Brady was trying his best not to MF that reporter because that's a ridiculous question. It really is. I, I Think know. about it. You're playing bad football. We've seen bad football on, on Thursday nights. Do you have any hope that you can get this thing turned around against the Ravens? He wouldn't be playing a damn game if he didn't have any hope that he could get this thing turned around. It's Tom Brady. But it, like, like he's competing. Would... He's he's playing right now to compete for championships. That's it. Part... So I mean, I don't I don't understand how that reporter expects Brady to answer that question. I, I how I expect Brady to answer that question. You're right. Dumb question. Okay. Is so we agree on yeah, that. Yeah. We agree on that. Oh, absolutely. Oh, all right. okay. I'm, I'm more concerned with the response to it because there are times that a dumb question deserves a little, you know, smack back. Oh, yeah. When and, you, play, and that's stupid, one of when those you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. Yes. So when I yeah. say, so when you ask me that question, why is it wrong for me? Of course, of course I feel like we're going to turn this around. Mm-hmm. That's silly. I wouldn't be here if I didn't think that was the case. And that's absurd. I, like, not just going after the reporter personally. All I want to say is hear an aggressive tone. Like, that to me is just... Uh, I, I see enough aggressiveness from Tom Brady on the sidelines between breaking the tablets and yelling at his teammates. Like, the guy wants to win. He still has that passion to play the game. And so from that standpoint, I'm not worried about him. And I'm not worried about how he's playing. I think Tom Brady is playing well, as crazy as it sounds. I, no, it's true. I think it's he's playing him. well. When you actually look at the tape, when you watch the games, it's not Tom Brady. There isn't this drop-off in terms of his overall ability or how he's reading defenses, going through his progressions, and delivering the football. It's about the talent level around him, because they've got some guys that are out of the lineup. Guys are just coming back from injury. The offensive line being shaky, a lot of new pieces up front, and the defense being undisciplined. That's a formula to get you beat, Carlin. They're too reliant on Tom Brady to overcome all of the ails that we've seen from Tampa Bay. They, they just can't do that. And whether it's the front office being naive, and what they put together coming into this year, or just bad fortune with all of the injuries, whatever it is, Todd Bowles not having you know control over the locker room and having the ear of all the players, whatever it is, it's not good enough. They're not as sharp as they once were, and you start to wonder, is this a team that's satisfied, or is it a team that's hungry to compete for another chip? You know what it does feel like? A team that misses Bruce Aarons. I you keep know, saying I keep saying that Bruce Arians had a little edge to him. I keep saying and he, that, and Bruce and Bruce would occasionally smack around Tom Brady publicly. Uh, Bruce is not afraid to smack around anybody. No, yeah. So maybe if Tom wanted him out, that you know that's fine. But look what you got, and it's nothing against Todd Bowles personally. I like him, but Todd Bowles never comes out and strikes you as somebody, and you've been around him more than I have. Yeah, he never strikes you as somebody that is going to light the fire when it needs to be lit. That's just not his demeanor. Yeah. And, I, I mean, I'm sure he's had plenty of times. And, and I'm not one of these had, guys that feels like we have to have rah-rah all the time. No, we don't no. have to have rah-rah all the time, but you do have to have a level of intensity. And 
sometimes his demeanor can come off in a way where it doesn't seem like it's going to be fiery to the point where it's going to get everybody going and galvanize the rest of the players on that team. And we can't just rely on Tom Brady to always be that guy. Sometimes the head coach has got to grab the team by the throat and say, this is where we're going. And then the quarterback reinforces that message to the rest of the locker room. But that's not what's happening in Tampa. So when you look at what's going on and the failures that they've got, you point to Tom Brady, and rightfully so because he's the QB, but you also got to look at the head coach. All right, we got Keyshawn of Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. He, of course, is locked in on everything NFL, and he joins us right now. Key, it's Canty and Carlin. What's going on, man? How are you doing, Carlin? This is Keyshawn Johnson with the nice radio voice. See, I don't, I don't even do the radio voice. <laughs> Get him, voice. Key. Get him, Key. <laughs> I don't even do the radio voice. I tried to pump it up a little bit this time because you were annoyed last time that I didn't give you enough energetic, uh, energetic of an introduction. See, now, now, now you're using adjectives that try to describe me as annoying, as annoying, you're doing exactly what the media would do. Oh, you here we go. Media, I forgot. How you doing? <laughs> you are too. <laughs> Key, you know, I happen to be. I happen to be an ex-athlete who happens to work in a space <laughs> that covers professional and collegiate sports. Whatever helps you sleep at night. Exactly. <laughs> he is not going to be defined by just the term media member. Key, what is your read on Brady? What is your read on the entire situation in Tampa right now? Well, I mean, other than they're a bad football team, they got to get healthy, and Todd Bowles has to figure out what he wants to do, either call a defense or manage the entire team, uh, because right now it doesn't seem like he could do both. Key, and, and to that end, when we're looking at the problems that the Bucks have, do you think it's because of Brady not setting the agenda for the team, or would you put more of this on Todd Bowles? Like, when we try to assign blame for why this team is underachieving, who bears the brunt of that? Well, I think it's it, it doesn't fall on one person's in one. No, I'm not, lap, and I'm not. Right? And I'm not saying I'm not saying it does, Key. But if you had to, if you had to assign the majority of the blame on one individual in this organization, who are you going to put it on? Probably going to look at Brady. Mm. Probably going to look at Brady, just because of his actions since allegedly the things that's going on in his personal life have surfaced, he seems like he's become a different player. Keyshawn Johnson, Keyshawn J. Will and Max joining Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. I I am very curious to get your response on this. How would you handle it? How would you respond if you were a teammate of Aaron Rodgers after what he had to say yesterday publicly? I'm I'm probably... Would just tell him, man, you got to do better, dog. Why are you why are you pointing the finger at everybody else when you dribbling balls at people's feet and stretching people out left and right and high and you know like we all got to do better. I probably would tell him that. Most if there is no probably, I would. I would tell him, say, man, you got to do better. What you think you're doing? You ain't helping the situation. You supposed to be that guy. And then he would say something to me, smart. And then I'll tell him, if you say something again, you're going to have to wear a mouthpiece next time. 
<laughs> and I can confirm that because Keyshawn Johnson was once upon a time my teammate, and that's exactly how he was in the locker room. Talking to Keyshawn Johnson from KJM. And, Key, I, I wanted to ask you this question because Carlin and I have been trying to figure this out, and we haven't been able to land on the answer. Who's the second-best team in the NFC? The Dallas Cowboys. Dallas, maybe Seattle. Um the Giants will pull up in the rear somewhere. But I would go I would go Philly, Dallas, Seattle, Giants, Rams, Minnesota. Mm. Some something like that. You know, key with the Rams, this is something we've been talking about. They're sitting at three and four. You know, you just kind of ran down that list. Doesn't it make sense for the Rams at this point to try to almost double down and go after it again if they're going to try to make a deal or two before the deadline on Monday or Tuesday? What are, what are they making a deal for, though? Pass rusher. Let's say let's let's for instance argue for a second that Bradley Chubb becomes available. Would you make a move that was similar to what they did last year with uh, with Von Miller? You know, if if for some reason Jeremy uh, Tunsil was available. Too expensive. Too expensive? Or too, yeah, that would probably be too expensive. He's, I mean, he's a free those agent at the end of the year. So. But those, you're right, that's expensive. means you got to give up this and you got to pay money. Mm-hmm. Where Von Miller, Von Miller was a free agent on a second-round pick. So it didn't, it's, you, if I get Bradley Chubb for a second-round pick, come on, let's go. I got the plane gassed up, but that's not going to happen. Talking with Super Bowl champion Keyshawn Johnson on Kenny and Carlin. And Key, earlier this week, Frank Reich and the Indianapolis Colts made the decision to bench Matt Ryan. What did you make of that decision, and what are your expectations? How have they changed, or if they've changed, since they've made that call? Yeah, I don't really know exactly what happened with the Matt Ryan situation. I know he's injured, and they said that they were going to do it even with him healthy. Um, If they think Sam Ellinger, if I'm saying his name right, Uh um, is the answer, then you go with it. I thought Matt Ryan would have played a lot better than he has this year, and I think they thought the same thing. But also they thought they was going to run the ball better and play better defense to help him out and and protect him, and that hasn't been the case. So somebody's got to take it, right? And Matt Ryan's the guy who has to take it right now. So so have your expectations for the Colts changed based on what we've seen through the first seven games? They're three, three, and one, okay? They're one game behind Tennessee, or one and a half games behind Tennessee. It hasn't really changed. Can they make the playoffs if they turn it around? Yeah. Can they win the division if they turn it around? Yeah. They can. Even though they've lost to Tennessee twice, they can still win the division. And if 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 this quarterback is good and they start running the ball better and they play better defense, then they have an opportunity and chance. Otherwise, they're going to be looking for a quarterback in the draft and they're going to be rebuilding all over again. He is the former number one overall pick in the 1996 draft, one of the all-time great receivers in the game, a Southern California legend. He is Keyshawn Johnson of Keyshawn J. Will and Max. Thanks, Key. Appreciate you, Thank you, thank you, Carlin. Thank you, Christopher. It was a pleasure (laughs) being on your show today. Hey, man, don't be using my government, man, man. You don't need to be calling me Christopher on airways, bro. (laughs) We better than that. Well, they know your name. It's all over the place. All you got to do is Google it.
See, there you go, man. Ain't nobody ask you to be practical on the show, man. This entertainment. <laughs> Thanks, Kay. Kayshawn J. Well and Max every morning, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. You know what we're going to have to do is next week, also on ESPN, you, by the way, uh, next week we are going to have to put together a full-blown produced open with Keyshawn highlights, yes. all that kind yes. of stuff. Yes, I'm here for all of that, Carl. I mean, honestly, all we should it. make the intro nine minutes so that we only have a minute to talk to him. Nah, I ain't saying a <laughs> nine-minute intro, but I wouldn't be opposed to 145. <laughs> I'm sure he wouldn't be opposed to it either. No, he would yeah. not. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? It is interesting when you see two teams getting together this week who have been in such divergent situations over the last 20 years be in that role reversal really for the first time in quite some time and that is the jets and the patriots this week it's are ca- they really in a role reversal though mm, we'll get into bit. it we'll get into a little it. bit canty and carlin espn radio and on the espn app we are presented by progressive insurance be a part of the canty and carlin nation on the dr pepper call in line call us 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Well, first up is New England and their quarterback controversy, which you can't really call it that, can you? Hell no. Because when you have two quarterbacks who are of equally mediocre ability battling it out right now to see who's going to screw up less. Is that really a controversy? No. A quarterback controversy is what we saw in 2001 with the Patriots when they had both Tom Brady and Drew Bledsoe win playoff games for them. Mm-hmm. And Bill Belichick didn't know who to start in the Super Bowl. That was the Super Bowl, by the way, that started the dynasty. That's a true quarterback controversy. This is quarterback hell. Welcome, Patriots fans. (laughs) This is what most NFL fan bases have experienced for the last quarter century. And now they're getting a little bit of taste of it. Bill Belichick didn't have an answer at the press conference about what would happen if Mac Jones was fully healthy because he genuinely didn't know. If he knew that Mac Jones was QB1, he would come out and say so. He would come out and say so. But, Carlin, the fact that he can't do that is the problem. And I don't know, and I don't know, and I I don't want to get long winded here, but hear hear me out on this one. Mm -hmm. There is nothing that we can look at this season objectively 
and say that Mac Jones is a better option for the Patriots at quarterback than Bailey Zappi. Nothing we've seen. Not completion percentage, not touchdown to interception ratio, not yards per attempt, not quarterback wins, nothing that we can look at Kenty. to say Mac Jones is a better option for the Patriots to win games than Bailey Zappi. True. I'm not saying that to say that Bailey Zappi is definitively a better player than Mac Jones. But I think we're in a place now where you can't definitively say the inverse is true either. And that is the problem. Well, that's that's the real issue for Mac Jones because you're the 15th overall pick last year as opposed to a guy that was a fourth-round pick this year. You've been around longer. You've been to the playoffs. And you were a nice game manager last year. But, Canty, to your point, look at the QBRs through four games each. Uh, yeah. it, it, Bailey Zappi has a, a better QBR. It, barely. He has a better QBR. 35 to 33.9. Neither one of them is lighting it up, but that's a problem more for Mac Jones than it is for Bailey Zappi. But what we're saying is the same thing. Bill Belichick is trying to decide between the lesser of the two evils. That's the place that they're in right now. And I don't know that that's going to lead them to where they want to be in terms of competing for a wild card spot in the AFC. It ain't going to be what we saw last year where the Patriots get in. That's not going to be the case. The conference is tougher. And I think the division is tougher. This is a little bit nuts, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Go ahead. Okay? Patriots lose to the Jets Sunday. Mm. Is it possible that Bill Belichick trades Mac Jones before Tuesday? Is it possible? Because I, he, he'll be sitting at 3-5 and five at that point. The Bills are running away with the division. Uh-huh. And you, when you look at your overall picture, Patriots defense is not very good. It's not very good. The only yeah. thing they do well is take away the football, but they haven't cashed in on that because they're still at a negative on no. that. They're still minus two on the year and turn yeah, over because Mac Jones has what six interceptions? Yeah, yeah, that's a problem. Yep. So yeah, the Patriots defense hasn't been great outside of the takeaways, and Matt Jadon is one of the most dominant pass rushers in the league. I think he leads the league in sacks after Monday night, thanks to Larry Borum. But I think this is a situation now where we have to recalibrate the expectations for the Patriots. The question is, do we have to do the same thing for the Jets now that they've lost starters Brees Hall and Elijah Vera Tucker for the season? That becomes the interesting caveat to what we're going to see in Week 8 in this matchup of AFC East rivals. And I'm not sure. When we look at the quarterbacks in this matchup, Carlin, whether it's Zappi, Matt Jones, or Zach Wilson, can you say that one is better than the other? Well, Zach Wilson has to be. Well, he has to be, but, yeah. but can we I say that say right now, based no. on the body of work? Can we say that? No, absolutely okay. not. Now, the, but, Jet, the Jets are clearly a better team than the Patriots. Don't get me wrong. But I think the Jets are a better team in spite of their quarterback and not because of him. And that's saying something for a guy that was the second overall pick two years ago. Well, this is the thing, Chris. As much as we're going to sit here and talk about the Jets wanting to run the football and run it 40 times if they could against the Patriots this week. This game is a referendum on Zach Wilson to a degree because of the quarterbacks on the other side and because the Jets cannot continue to win in spite of their quarterback. No. That that can't be what this season is about because, yes, you feel good about where they are headed overall. Yes. You have to. And I know that they just lost their two best offensive players who, when you lose players like that, is supposed to help make up for that? The quarterback. Thank you. Yeah. Can we have a clean game from from Zach Wilson where it's go out there, throw for 280 yards and three touchdowns in a game, doesn't turn it over once? 
and just looks completely in control of the situation? Is that too much to ask? I don't think it is. Not when you're the second overall pick last year and you need to start to see something that indicates that you are the guy as opposed to something that indicates eh, you may, may be the guy. I mean, you would like that to be the case, Carlin, but you're talking about a guy that hadn't thrown a touchdown pass in three weeks. This is my point. Like, <laughs> you gotta, <laughs> at some point, you have to not be the guy that they are winning despite. It can't be that can't be the quarterback. And I'll take it a step further. Mm. I and I don't know this to be true, but I do think it is curious that if you had a situation where the Jets went ten and seven. Mm. But Wilson continued to play like this. And was this all season long? In a quarterback-heavy draft, can you rule it out completely that they would go in that direction for next year? Because if I'm Joe Douglas, I would look at this like, hang on a second, I needed him to mature after year one. All signs were pointed in that direction. He's been banged up twice. And then when he came back and had a lot of his weapons around him, he was still a non-factor in games. Like, at what point do you start to really take advantage of the fact that these are the best weapons the Jets have had in 10 to 12 years? Oh, yeah, there are no excuses And that's for even without Brees there, Hall. There are no excuses for Zach Wilson not to turn the corner. And credit to Joe Douglas for going out and being aggressive and trading for James Robinson. That yeah. shows you that he has confidence in what this team can get done this season, not just in the future. But I do think coming into this year, the biggest question is, is Zach Wilson a true franchise quarterback? And, Carlin, if I'm hearing you right, it sounds like you're still asking yourself that question Yeah. based on what we've seen. And as Bill Parcells once told me, if i got to keep asking the question, eventually I'm going to land on the answer being no. Yeah, it, it, if i got to keep asking a question, I might just be denying myself that the answer's no. I'm not there on Wilson yet. End of the year, we're not far off from it. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. If you're looking for a career path with flexibility and great pay and benefits, go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Up next, the Patriots are not the only marquee sports franchise in the middle of a massive crossroads. That's next. Canty and Carlin. This is ESPN Radio. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Part of the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Yo, check this out from Canty and Carlin. 
So Judge, as in Aaron, met with the media in New York on Tuesday. I find it funny and interesting that Aaron Judge met with the media on Tuesday, but Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone have been nowhere to be found. That comes later in the offseason. Usually they talk for a little bit right after. Well, Uh, Brian Brian, Brian doesn't have a contract now that the season's over with. Well, I I think we know Brian has a contract. (laughs) Brian's not going anywhere. He's another member of the Steinbrenner family? Exactly. He's the fifth Steinbrenner. Absolutely. Well, so this is from Aaron Judge uh, on his future with the pinstripes. I have been clear about that since I first wore the pinstripes, but you know, we couldn't get something done before spring training, and now I'm a free agent. We will see what happens. Uh, Chris, I am coming around more and more to the notion he's gone. I don't think he's going to be back with the Yankees for two reasons. Number one, I think Judge uh, was very annoyed with what happened before the season started, with the Yankees leaking all the details of their offer, trying to make him look bad for turning it down. Mm -hmm. And then number two, I think he's going to get bowled over by another team, likely the San Francisco Giants, at a number that the Yankees are not going to go to. And they're going to have to answer for that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we had uh, Buster on the other day. Said they they have to get this done no matter what. I don't think they're going to get it done no matter what. Well, I really it, don't. It's interesting because Buster mentioned the fact that Aaron Judge and having this legacy with the Yankees, wearing the pinstripes, potentially being the next captain, um, succeeding Derek Jeter, all of these things would make it hard for him to walk away for from the Yankees this offseason when they get into hot stove. But my question would be. Do we know that Aaron Judge believes that Brian Cashman is capable of building a championship contender? Because this is the guy that was around at the infancy stages of the Baby Bombers, and there has been a lot of talent that has been cycled through this organization, a lot of guys that have been identified as core pieces that didn't pan out. Yep. And now here we are at this stage, and Carlin, I don't know that we can say that the Yankees' championship window is wide open, even with Aaron Judge staying in the fold. No, I don't think we could say that. No. So if you're you're Aaron Judge, knowing that that's the only way you could actually complete your Yankees' legacy and be immortalized as one of the all-time great players with the franchise, then maybe it does make sense to you to go to the highest bidder. Maybe it does make sense to chase a bag in San Francisco, which is not far from your hometown. Maybe it makes sense to chase a bag with the Chicago Cubs because we figured that they're looking for power bats and they're going to throw it out there. I just I look at the situation with the New York Yankees, with them running it back with Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman, and it doesn't feel like there's a clear path to the championship. And if that's not the case, then Aaron Judge might consider leaving. You can't miss Canty and Carlin. Pound for pound. The biggest show on ESPN Radio. A little bit of breaking news just based off what we were talking about a few minutes ago. Patriots quarterback Mac Jones took about 90% of the first team reps in practice today. This is from Field Yates, and he will start for the team on Sunday against the Jets. He did start against the Bears. Just he did. Just didn't finish the game. He went three and out, three and out, interception. And that was the last we saw of Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. So not saying that this is going to be a repeat of that, but if things don't go well early, do we have any degree of confidence that Bill Belichick is going to stay with Mac and not bench him for zappy hour? Why would we? Why would we? I, I, and it's not just based on what we saw the other night. I I think Bill is just trying to find the guy that is going to screw it up less. <laughs> I, I honestly do. And, I mean, there's there's such a universal 
truth that we all get away from as fans. Mm. And I want, I'm not including you in this because you're a player and, and you know this, but like even I get lost in this sometimes. Coaches want to win games. They play the players who they believe give them the best chance to win. They know more about their players than we do. They see them every day. Every day. They know. So there are times where we have to trust that. This is not a situation where Bill has any chance at a clear-cut answer. Mm -hmm. And so that's why, like, all right, well, if this guy's going to be this bad this day, I'm going to try this guy. And we've all seen teams that have been in that position. It's never a good position to be in. No, it's not a good position to be in, but I don't have any confidence that they're going to climb out of the cellar of the AFC East. And, Carlin, if we're talking about them being fourth place in that division, then when do we start talking about the succession plan for Bill Belichick as their head coach? I I know a lot of people think that it's premature to have that conversation, but he's getting up there in Marv Levy territory. And we don't see coaches coach you know, past 73, 74 years old in this league. That just, that's just not the way of the NFL nowadays. So I, I think we have to fairly wonder where Robert Kraft is in terms of developing a succession plan, not only trying to figure out what's going to happen with the most important position on the field at quarterback, but also what's going to happen with the guy that's wearing the headset on the sideline. It's more than fair, and I do think it's going to become more and more of a discussion as the season goes along because this is going to be a bad year for the Patriots. It's going to be bad, yeah. It's going to get ugly. And that's why you need to pay attention to this. Because you'll hear later in the season, if the Patriots are sitting there, and let's just say they're 5-10, and 10, what are people going to be saying? Where's Bill, when's Bill done? Yeah. When is the time to move on and find the next guy? And that's why the discussions have to be happening sooner rather than later. Now... Bill's going to leave when Bill wants to leave. That's yeah, pretty clear. I mean, that's his deal, yeah. that That's pretty clear. It's just how much longer do you want to do this? Does Bill really want to go through another full rebuild? I mean, maybe he feels like he has something to prove because Tom has won one without him. Mm-hmm. But does Bill really want to go through an entirety of a, of a rebuild at well, this age? Well, he ain't going to have no choice if he ain't got a quarterback. Yeah. That's how it is in this league. If you don't have a quarterback, you strip it down to the studs. And you suck until you can find a quarterback, get the draft capital in order to get somebody that can be a transformational talent. Think about that for right, a second. Right now, though. they don't have that. No, but are, are they going to draft one? I mean, think about that for a second. Do you think they can identify the guy if they do decide to draft They've one? They've taken one in each of the last two drafts, and neither one is working out. Check out Canty and Carlin, weekdays on ESPN Radio.